All right, I said tonight was a special night and a sad night. It's a sad night because obviously Sam is leaving us. It's a special night because tonight we are going to be doing a service project after my message. Uh, serving other people is a way that we worship Jesus, right? And uh, some of you guys might know that there's something super exciting happening right here at Grace Church this weekend. The Reality Conference is going to be hosted here. Some of you I know will be there. Lots of our friends in high school are going to be there. And uh, literally 4,000 people from all around the Midwest, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, the Dakotas, are coming here to Grace Church to be equipped in how to defend our faith in Jesus. It's called apologetics, where we talk through deep topics, right? Where we wrestle with like, okay, what did God say in his word? What does culture want to tell us? And how do, we, how do we answer back the questions that culture is asking? And at the reality conference, we're going we're gonna to deal with really heavy topics like suicide. We're going to talk about homosexuality. We're going to talk about abortion. All these issues that are hot button issues that I believe students need to be equipped with how to answer those questions according to God's word. And so with the conference here this weekend and 4,000 people coming, there's some stuff that we've got to get ready. So we are going to serve the 4,000 people coming in for the conference by uh, getting all the stuff ready for them that they're going to get right when they walk through the door at check-in. So there's some stations set up downstairs for us where after my message, I'll walk you through how we're going to pack all of the backpacks. Because everybody coming here gets a backpack and there's like a bunch of stuff put inside the backpack. Uh, and so the, the army of middle schoolers here, we are going to pack 4,000 backpacks. Yeah. And we're going to do it in record time. And some of you eighth graders know Elise, right? Elise. So Elise runs the whole conference. Remember, Elise used to work here in J-High before I hired Jake and Grace. Uh, and Elise is running the whole conference, and Abby's helping her too. And so uh, Elise and Abby set up the stations. They'll be down there to help walk us through it. I'll be down there. Um, and we are going to bless Elise and we're going to bless the 4,000 people coming to Grace Church this weekend. And we're going to crush all those bags so, so quick. So it's a service project night. It's going to be awesome. But before we get there, we're going to dig into God's word. Are you ready? Do you have a Bible in front of you? It's okay if it's on your phone. If it's, if it's a Bible on your phone, though, you got to promise me you're actually looking at the Bible. And you're not on social media. You're not playing Clash. Whatever. Lucas, are you playing Clash or is it Joey? Joey, bruh. Come on, dog. All right. All right. If you like want a Bible and don't have one, uh, by the front door, there's those shelves and there's whole stacks of Bibles over there if you wanted one in front of you. Um, but everything I read, it'll be, it'll be up on the screens for you. I don't know if I've ever actually told you guys this like from the stage before, maybe in individual conversations. Um, but I used to struggle with anxiety, like really, really bad. And it was especially bad when I was playing football because so much of my anxiety was wrapped up in this like pressure to perform 
well on the field. And I, I remember one morning in particular, and this was before, before a big game when I was in high school, and I literally couldn't get out of bed in the morning because I was so nervous, so anxious about the game that night. There was something about like the spotlight and like all the eyes on me that would just trigger these feelings of like inadequacy, like I'm not good enough, these feelings of anxiety. And so I find it kind of ironic, actually, that God would call me into a role where, like, my job is to be on a stage and, and kind of in a spotlight and have a bunch of eyes, you know, on me and a microphone in my hand. But I wonder if maybe in a room like this, there's maybe somebody else in here who, who struggles when the spotlight is on, on them, too. We're in week two of our series, How to Win at middle school. And in this series, we're studying the book of Philippians to gain wisdom from God's word for your life right now. I get it. Middle school's hard. It might actually be the hardest three years of anybody's life. There's a ton of things that are just changing in your world, right? There's a lot of things that are brand new in your world. There's relational situations that are really hard to navigate. And some days you might feel like you are just barely able to survive the day. But I truly believe, as your pastor, that God's best for you isn't just surviving three years in middle school. I believe that God actually wants you to thrive in three years of middle school. That God wants you to win at middle school. And tonight's message is called Winning in the Spotlight. Winning in the Spotlight because here is the deal, you guys. Each one of you is going to find yourself in the spotlight at some point. It might be because you're on a sports team and you've got some kind of leadership role. It might be because you're a performer and you're going to be up on a stage. It might just be because you're making decisions that are different than the rest of your friend group and all of their eyes are on you. It can be an uncomfortable place to be, but it's also an opportunity to show everybody the love of Jesus and the hope of salvation that we have in him. And so if you remember nothing else about my message tonight, I want you to remember this, is that your attitude, your anchor, and your activity will help you win in the spotlight. Your attitude, your anchor, and your activity will help you win in the spotlight. Last week we're in chapter one, this week we are in chapter two of Philippians. So you can go ahead and turn to chapter two in the book of Philippians. And like we talked about last week, Philippians is this letter. And it's a letter written by the apostle Paul to Jesus' followers in a city called Philippi. And remember, Philippi is a Roman colony. It's a mini Rome away from Rome and all the people living in Philippi, they're Roman citizens. And Paul, he's trying to pastor them from afar and, and remind them that, okay, you might be a Roman citizen, but your number one allegiance isn't to Rome. It's actually to God's kingdom. And as we get into chapter two, Paul's going to switch the focus a little bit. And he's going to turn away from what does it look like to be a citizen of heaven to what does it look like to act like a Christian? What is the attitude that a follower of Jesus should have? What does it look like to stand out 
for all the right reasons. Philippians chapter 2. Actually, I want one of you guys to come up and read this. Who wants to come up and read this? Somebody? Zach? Zach's right up here up front. All right, Zach. Go ahead. You can grab my Bible. We're going to start in verse 14 down here. And I think it, yeah, starts down here and then it'll jump up here. We're going to read 14 all the way through 18. All right. Thank you. Yep. All right. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run to the, the race in vain and that my work was not useless, but I will rejoice even if I lose my pouring it out like a liquid offering to God. Just like your faithful service is an offering to God, and I want all of you to share you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice, and I will share your joy. Give it up for Zach and God's word. So the question before us, friends, is how are you going to win in the spotlight? If you're a note taker, here's point number one tonight. How we're going to win in the spotlight, attitude is everything. Attitude is everything. Have you ever heard the saying, actions speak louder than words? You probably all have because it's sort of like this universal truth, right? Like what you do says more about your character than just the words that you might say. But I want to add on to that statement just a little bit, right? Actions, they do speak louder than words, but attitude yells, right? Actions speak louder than words, but your attitude yells at full volume. Look at what Paul writes. He says, do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean and innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Paul talks about actions, right? Do everything. Every single thing that you do, whether that's at home, at school, on the field, in your friend group, do everything, but he talks about it in the context of your attitude. Do everything, but don't complain and don't argue. The actions that you're doing, but it's the way that you're going about them, that sends a loud and clear message to everybody around you. The world expects you to walk like it walks and talk like it talks. The world thinks you're just going to conform to everything that it's about, right? Everything that it thinks is okay, even if it might go against the teachings of Jesus, the world just sort of expects that you're going to do it too. And complaining and arguing, that's the attitude that's expected of everybody, it's just commonly accepted that that's the way people talk. Like here's, I, I bet you, if you go to school tomorrow and you just start listening every single conversation you're a part of, how much of those conversations are people complaining and arguing? My guess is it's like an insane amount of all of their speech. But, but God says, 
God says that that is not our way. And that's what Paul's writing to the Philippians, that, that that's not the way of Jesus. And what does Paul say is going to happen if you cut out the complaining and cut out the arguing, if your attitude starts looking different than everybody else? Paul says you're going to find yourself in the spotlight. He says that you're going to shine like a bright light in a dark world. People are going to notice that you sound different than them. The way that you speak matters. And it matters actually, I think, way more than what you actually do. I remember one, one day during my freshman year of college where I was standing in a group of people and I heard somebody speaking a little bit down the hallway. And I like whipped around super fast, like so fast that all my friends that I was standing talking with started making fun of me. So I was like, who just said that? Because the girl who was speaking had the most gorgeous accent that I had ever heard in my entire life. She was from Brisbane, Australia. And I heard her talking and I was like, who is that? We didn't, we didn't date. I didn't, I barely got, even got to know her. I know, I know, I know. I know, I know. But here's my point. Here's my point. Silly story, important point. The way that you talk catches people's attention. It matters. Everyone in this world, the way that they talk is complaints and arguments. If you start talking different, if your attitude is different, people will notice that you are different. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, a good one to memorize. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And then Jesus, in Luke chapter 6, verse 45, he said that out of the overflow of our heart, our mouth speaks. So tomorrow at school, think about what you're saying, how you're saying it, what your attitude is. Do you sound like the world, or do you sound different? Actions speak louder than words, and attitude yells. Attitude is everything. And now, because your attitude is different, you found yourself in the spotlight. People are looking at you because you talk different. Now what? Now what? That brings me to point two. Note takers, write this down. Anchor down. Anchor down. The next thing that Paul writes to this church in Philippi is to hold firmly to the word of life. Paul views this as the number one piece of advice that he could possibly give to these people. And these are like his people. This is the first church that he planted in Europe. Like he loves these people and he's got his number one piece of advice. It's this, hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I didn't run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. When you find yourself in the spotlight, when you find yourself in the spotlight with all the eyes on you, from Paul's perspective, what's the most important thing you could do in that moment? Anchor down to the word of God. Anchor down to the word of God. It's really easy to just come to next every single Wednesday. 
and just hear me say week after week after week, hey, you should read your Bible. Hey, you should read your Bible. Hey, you should read your Bible. And you're probably like, oh, yeah, okay, Danny, you say that all the time. I'll get right on that. And then you sort of go home and you don't. That's a really easy thing. My guess is a lot of you, that's the way you're living. Like, you hear what I'm saying, but it's hard to put it into practice because you're really busy. You got lots of stuff going on, right? Like, I get it. I get what it's like to be you. I used to be you. But when life gets really crazy, that's when you need something stable the most. When everything around you is chaos, that's when you need to hold on to something that's not going to move. You need stability in a world of constant change. You need that. You need hope when everything else is dark. You need that. You need the encouragement when it doesn't seem like you can keep going. You need the truth when people are lying to you. And when you find yourself in the spotlight, the pressure intensifies. There might be the spotlight of that field or that court, the spotlight of the stage. Like when you have a platform where other people are looking to you and the pressure is on, you need to anchor down. Think about this in the context of like your friend group. What if everybody in your friend group is asking you to try something, do something, say something that you know does not correspond with what God would want for you? And all the eyes are on you. What are you holding on to in that moment? Where is your stability? My friend Matt was hanging a TV on the wall of his house the other day. And he was so excited to get this TV like off the stand and up onto the wall. But he ran into a problem right away. The problem was his house is old. It's in like South Minneapolis. And so the studs in the walls are 24 inches apart. Modern building houses have studs that are 16 inches apart. So the mount he bought for his TV was supposed to be mounted on 16-inch studs. So he couldn't mount this TV into the studs in the wall. So he went out and bought some drywall anchors and was going to try and mount this TV into the drywall. So he puts the anchors into the wall, screws the mount into the wall, hangs the TV up on the wall, takes a couple steps back, and looks at his freshly mounted TV, perfectly centered on the wall. And in that moment, the TV rips out of the drywall, falls to the floor, and breaks. There are a lot of things in this world that offer the promise of stability, but it's a false promise. It wasn't that the drywall anchors themselves were weak. It was that the drywall itself was Weak. The thing that Matt was trying to anchor into wasn't able to hold the TV. There's plenty of seemingly good things that you might try to anchor into in this world. Some people might think like, you know, if my home life just, just looked like right, right now it looks wrong, if it just looked right, my life would even out. Some people think that if their friend group was just a little bit bigger, then everything would just be smooth. 
that it would just be okay. Some people think if they just had that Instagrammable relationship with that guy or that girl, that all the problems in life would just, just go away. But it's all wrong. You could have the right friend group and the right home life and the right relationship, but none of that is going to be the anchor that holds firm when the world goes crazy. Only God's word has held firm for the last 2,000 years of chaos. Only it is true and lasting. And when you find yourself in the spotlight, you need that. Psalms chapter 16, verse 8 says that, I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. Jesus is what's stable. His word is what's stable. So anchor down to God's word when you find yourself in the spotlight. And my third point tonight, the third thing that I think Paul has for us in this passage is to adjust your activity. Adjust your activity. Our goal is to win in the spotlight. And part of winning means that your activity is adjusted so that it is focused on the kingdom of God. Let's look at how Paul closes out this passage. He says, But I will rejoice even if I lose my life pouring it out like a liquid offering to God just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want you all to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice, and I will share in your joy. Paul tells the church in Philippi to adjust their activity towards the kingdom, just like he has done. Remember, where is Paul writing this letter? He's writing it to Philippi, but where is he writing it from? Prison right? Paul's in prison. He doesn't know if he's going to live or die. Spoiler alert, he lives. He doesn't die this time in prison. He will die later in prison. But when he's writing this letter, he doesn't know. Am I going to live or am I going to die here in this prison cell? But he is committed. Everything he's got, he is all in on building God's kingdom, all in on making the name of Jesus famous, all in on sharing the gospel with anybody who will listen. And that includes the prison guards when he's in prison. And he's calling us to do the same, to adjust our activity, to go all in. My favorite people on planet Earth, and my guess is actually your favorite people on planet Earth, are all in type people. Think about my teammates in college. Like, my favorite teammates were my all-in teammates. We used to have competitions to prove to one another who loved Wheaton football the most. Like, competitions to prove who was the most all-in. And my favorite friends are the friends who are all-in on our friendship. Just last week, I was having a really, really rough day, and my friend Jack left work drove here to Grace Church and sat in my office with me because he's all in on our friendship, right? He's the type of friend who'll call me out if I'm out of line. He's the type of friend who'll show up and encourage me if I'm feeling down. All in type people are the best people. See, God, he can use 
whatever part of your life you're willing to give him, but God is jealous for your whole life. He doesn't want to share your heart with anything else in this world. He wants you to be all in for him. And Paul says that it's the all-in people who have the biggest joy. Paul says he's all-in, even to the point of dying for God. And he says that he wants us to share in that type of joy. And he says that we can share in that type of joy by serving God. By serving God all-in. Being all in leads to big joy. Like what could be better than being all in for God? So here's what you can do right now, tomorrow, to win at middle school. Adjust your activity to go all in. Maybe start thinking about some things you need to cut out to go all in. You might be thinking, oh, sweet, homework. I can just cut out homework and go all in. No, probably not. Um, But what could you cut out? Could you adjust your sleep schedule so that you are up earlier in the morning to get into God's word before school? Could you adjust how much you play video games so that you can be all in the things that God wants you to be about? Could you adjust what it looks like when you're with your friend group to be all in in your friend group for the kingdom of God? Adjusting your activity when you're in the spotlight will help you win and not just survive. So here's where we've been tonight. Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 through 18, Paul gives us some keys for winning in the spotlight. Attitude is everything. Complaining and arguing, that's the attitude of the world, not of Christ. Anchor down. The pressure is on. All the eyes are on you. Anchor to the word of God, the one thing that will not change. And adjust your activity. Go all in for Jesus and experience the biggest joy that comes from focusing on God's kingdom, right? Your attitude, your anchor, and your activity will help you win in the spotlight. But I was thinking, as I studied this passage, I was thinking like, man, God, like, this is a big ask, like, I don't even know if I can do this, let alone, like, how could I tell middle schoolers that that's what they need to do? Like, it seems like it's kind of impossible to get all these things right. I think it actually maybe might be. Because you see, like, our best intentions, they always seem to go awry at, at some point. I think there's going to be a moment where the spotlight is on you. And you're going to cave to the pressure. You're going to complain and argue and gossip just like everybody else. I know I at least have. I think there's going to be a moment when the spotlight is on you and you're going to look for anything but God's word to be your anchor in that moment. Like, that seems like natural human instinct, doesn't it? Just to look for whatever. I think there's going to be a moment where the spotlight is on you and and you're not going to adjust your activity. In fact, you're going to put God on the back burner and and try to live life your way without God. I think it's going to happen because I know it's happened to me. And I think it's going to happen unless something supernatural happens in your life. Let's go back and look at the verses I skipped over tonight. 
Let's go back to verses 12 and 13, because Paul's going to tell us how this is even possible. He says this, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I'm away, it's even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Here's the good part. For God is working in you giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. God is working inside of you to give you the desire and the power to do what is pleasing to him. Like, you can't just muster up the energy in and of yourself, but he can work inside of you. And so if you're here tonight, and maybe you're a lot like me, And you're like, I want to follow you, Jesus. I want to do what you've called me to do, but I keep screwing up. I seem to always get it wrong. I dare you to pray and ask God to give you the desire to follow him and be obedient and the power to live it out. I dare you to pray that prayer because that's a dangerous prayer. Once you pray a prayer like that, there's no telling what God might do in your life, through your life, for his kingdom. You have no idea where he might take you. You have no idea what types of people he might call you to. God might send you all over the world to proclaim the gospel. God might send you to that person at your school who seems like they would never, ever want to hear about Jesus. God might send you to a family member who needs to hear the gospel. You have no idea what God might want to do in you. But if you've been struggling, ask God to give you the desire and the power to be obedient and watch what happens. And let's go win at middle school even tomorrow. Let me pray. Jesus, I worship you for what you're already doing in the lives of these middle school students. God, I just worship you because I know that there are students who are sold out for you, who are leading Bible studies in their schools, students who are, who are pursuing you with everything that they are got. And Jesus, I just ask that you would make that even bigger. You'd increase that. You'd bring more students who want to follow you. God, for the student who's in here and who has just been struggling, They know that they want to follow you, but they're struggling to actually live it out. Jesus, I pray on their behalf that you would give them the desire and the power to be obedient to you. God, that they would would just adjust that attitude to talk so different than the rest of the world, that they would anchor down into your word, God, that their activity, the things that they're about would just look so different. But Jesus, not because they're so good, but because you're so good, not because they've got the strength, but because you do. Would you use middle schoolers to build your kingdom, Jesus? I pray this in your name. Amen.